What's up, everybody? This is Esoteric Eddie. Namaste. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast version of Esoteric Eddie TV. I hope you enjoy this episode. Peace. What up, everybody? This is Esoteric Eddie. Namaste. So today we're going to be reviewing the famous Carl Gustav Jung's Flying Saucers, A Modern Myth of Things Seen in the Skies. Now this one was dense with information. Uh, Jung goes through his psychological analyzation of the UFO phenomenon. I had to reread a lot of passages to try and understand what he was saying. But... Uh, Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and read to you what I think are the most important points that I took away from this book. All right, let's go. Chapter 1, UFOs as Rumors. We shall begin considering the UFO reports simply as rumors, as a visionary rumor. People in full possession of their senses can sometimes see things that do not exist. The first requisite for a visionary rumor is always an unusual emotion. Its intensification into a vision and delusion of the senses, however, springs from a stronger excitation and therefore from a deeper source. The signal for the UFO stories was given by the mysterious projectiles seen over Sweden during the last two years of the war, attributed of course to the Russians and by the reports about Foo Fighters. Lights that accompanied the Allied bombers over Germany. These were followed by the strange sightings of flying saucers in America. The impossibility of finding an earthly base for the UFOs and of explaining their physical peculiarities soon led to the conjecture of an extraterrestrial origin. The motif of an extraterrestrial invasion was seized upon by the rumor and the UFOs were interpreted as machines controlled by intelligent beings. It also seemed that airfields and atomic installations in particular held a special attraction for them from which it was concluded that the dangerous development of atomic physics and nuclear fission had caused a certain disquiet on our neighboring planets and necessitated a more accurate survey from the air. The rumor actually gained so much official recognition that the armed forces in America set up a special bureau for collecting, analyzing, and evaluating all relevant observations. This seems to have been done also in France, Italy, Sweden, the United Kingdom, and other countries. A report on the latest UFO sighting by a pilot who was flying an aircraft to Puerto Rico with 44 passengers while he was over the ocean states that he saw a fiery round object shining with greenish white light coming towards him at great speed. At first he thought it was a jet propelled aircraft but soon saw that it was some unusual and unknown object. In order to avoid a collision he pulled his aircraft into such a steep climb that the passengers were shot out of their seats and tumbled over one another. Seven other aircraft strung out along the same route of about 300 miles sighted the same object. But if it is a case of psychological projection, there must be a psychic cause for it. The basis for this kind of rumor is an emotional tension having its cause in a situation of collective distress or danger, or in a vital psychic need. 
in the individual such phenomena as abnormal convictions, visions, illusions, etc. only occur when he is suffering from a psychic dissociation, that is, when there is a split between the conscious attitude and the unconscious contents opposed to it. Things can be seen by many people independently of one another, or even simultaneously, which are not physically real. All these reports have naturally resulted in a clamorous demand for explanation. Initial attempts to explain the UFOs as Russian or American inventions soon came to grief on their apparently weightless behavior, which is unknown to earthly dwellers. Human fantasy, already toying with the idea of space trips to the moon, therefore had no hesitation hesitation in assuming that intelligent beings of a higher order had learned how to counteract gravitation and, by dint of using interstellar magnetic fields as sources of power, to travel through space with the speed of light. The fact that the UFOs neither land on Earth nor show the least inclination to get into communication with human beings is met by the explanation that these visitors, despite their superior knowledge, are not at all certain of being well received on Earth. But because they, as befits superior beings, conduct themselves quite inoffensively, they would do the Earth no harm and are satisfied with an objective inspection of airfields and atomic installations. Just why these higher beings who show such a burning interest in the fate of the earth have still not found some way of communicating with us after 10 years despite their knowledge of languages remains shrouded in darkness. Since the second world war they have appeared in masses obviously because an imminent landing is planned. They have become a living myth. We have here a golden opportunity of seeing how a legend is formed, and how in a difficult and dark time for humanity, a miraculous tale grows up of an attempted intervention. Hence, there appear signs in the heavens, superior beings in the kind of spaceships devised by our technological fantasy, from a fear whose cause is far from being fully understood and is therefore not conscious, there arise explanatory projections which purport to find the cause in all manner of secondary phenomena, however unsuitable. What as a rule is seen is a body of round shape, dislike or spherical, glowing or shining, fiery in different colors, or more seldom a cigar-shaped or cylindrical figure of various sizes. In this case they are to be regarded as symbols representing in visual form some thought that was not thought consciously but is merely potentially present in the unconscious in invisible form and attains visibility only through the process of becoming conscious. The visible form, however, expresses the the meaning of the unconscious content only approximately. If we apply them to the round object, whether it be a disc or a sphere, we at once get an analogy with the symbol of totality, the mandala, which is Sanskrit for circle. This is not by any means a new invention, for it can be found in all epochs and in all places always with the same meaning, and it reappears time and time again. Insofar as the mandala encompasses, protects, and defends the psychic totality against outside influence, and seeks to unite the inner opposites, it is at the same time a distinct individuation symbol and was known as such even to the medieval alchemy. The archetypal character of this idea is borne out by its spontaneous recurrence in modern individuals who know nothing of any such tradition any more than those around them. 
If the round shining objects that appear in the sky be regarded as visions, we can hardly avoid interpreting them as archetypal images. They would then be involuntarily automatic projections based on instinct and as little as any other psychic manifestations or symptoms can they be dismissed as meaningless and merely fortuitous. Circular symbols have played an important role in every age. In our own sphere of culture, for instance, they were not only soul symbols but god images. On the antique level, therefore, the UFOs could easily be conceived as gods. They are impressive manifestations of totality whose simple, round form portrays the archetype of the self, which as we know from experience plays the chief role in uniting apparently irreconcilable opposites and is therefore best suited to compensate the split-mindedness of our age. We have indeed strayed far from the metaphysical certainties of the Middle Ages, but not so far that our historical and psychological background is empty of all metaphysical hope. Consciously, however, rationalistic enlightenment predominates, and this abhors all leanings towards the occult. This attitude on the part of the overwhelming majority provides the most favorable basis for a projection, that is, for a manifestation of the unconscious background. In the form of a symbolic rumor accompanied and reinforced by the appropriate visions and thus activates an archetype that has always expressed order, deliverance, salvation, and wholeness. Chapter 2 UFOs in Dreams not only are UFOs seen, they are of course also dreamt about. This is particularly interesting to the psychologist. In order to form anything like a complete picture of an object reflected in the psyche, far more than an exclusively intellectual operation is required. We need the reaction of the unconscious, which gives a picture of the unconscious associative context. By way of illustration, I shall cite two dreams dreamt by an educated lady. She had never seen a UFO. She did not know the UFO literature. In dream one, she was in a bus with many other people, when suddenly the air raid warning sounded. The bus stopped and all the passengers jumped out. When they looked up at the sky, instead of the unexpected bombers, they saw a sort of flying saucer, a metallic sphere shaped like a drop. In Dream 2, there were interplanetary machines appearing in the sky, and the machines looked like large steel cigars. As the dream describes, a UFO appears having the form of a drop. A fluid body assumes the form of a drop when it is about to fall, from which it is clear that the UFO is conceived as a liquid falling from the sky. Presumably, it is meant to express the commonly reported changeability of the UFO's shape. Similar to that of the alchemical aqua permanence, the permanent water, which was also called heaven in 6th century alchemy and stood for the quinta essentia. These ideas began far back in the literature of antiquity, underwent further development during the Middle Ages, and even penetrated into folklore and fairy tale. For a period of nearly 1700 years, we have ample testimonies to the effectiveness of this animistic archetype. Mercurius is on 
on the one hand a metal, on the other a fluid that can be easily volatized, changed into vapor or spirit. This was known as spiritus mercuri and was regarded as a kind of panacea, savior or servitor mundi, preserver of the world. UFOs can make themselves invisible at will, it is said, and must obviously consist of a substance that is visible at one moment and invisible at the next. The nearest analogy to this is a volatile liquid which condenses out of an invisible state into the form of drops. In reading the old text, one can still feel the miracle of disappearance and reappearance which the alchemists beheld in the vaporization of water or quicksilver. The fantasies born of musing over the steaming cooking pot, one of the most ancient experiences of mankind, may also be responsible for the sudden disappearance and reappearance of the UFO. The extraordinariness of the UFO is paralleled by the extraordinariness of its psychological context. Considering the essential weirdness of the UFO phenomenon, we cannot expect the familiar rationalistic principles of explanation to be in any way adequate. The unconscious can no longer be treated as if it were casually dependent on consciousness since it possesses qualities which are not under conscious control. It should rather be understood as an autonomous entity acting reciprocally with consciousness. The plurality of UFOs, then, is a projection of a number of psychic images of wholeness which appear in the sky because on the one hand they represent archetypes charged with energy and on the other hand are not recognized as psychic factors. Our present day consciousness is still in an archaic state. It is so trained that it must think of such images not as forms inherent in the psyche, but as existing somewhere in extra-psychic metaphysical space or else as historical facts. When, therefore, the archetype receives from the conditions of the time and from the general psychic situation an additional charge of energy, it cannot, for the reasons I have described, be integrated directly into consciousness, but is forced to manifest itself indirectly in the form of spontaneous projections. The usually lens-shaped form of the UFOs may be influenced by the fact that psychic wholeness, as the historical testimonies show, has always been characterized by certain cosmic affinities. The individual soul was thought to be of heavenly origin, a particle of the world soul, and hence a microcosm, a reflection of the macrocosm. We may have an instance of an older tradition being modified by recent additions to knowledge, an influencing of primordial ideas by the latest acquisitions of consciousness. The shape of the UFOs is in this sense analogous to that of the elements composing the structure of space, the galaxies, no matter how ridiculous this seems to human reason. In our dream, the usual lens-shaped form is replaced by the rare cigar form. A psychoanalytical approach could resort to a female symbol, the uterus, to explain the drop. So here, the sexual analogy of the phallic form leaps to the eye when it comes to the cigar. Today, as never before, men pay an extraordinary amount of attention to the skies for technological reasons. This is especially true for the airmen, whose field of vision is occupied on the one hand by the complicated control apparatus before him, and on the other hand by the empty vastness of cosmic space. His consciousness is concentrated one-sidedly on details requiring the most careful observation, while at his back, so to speak, his unconscious strives to fill the eliminated 
illimitable emptiness of space. Such a situation provides the ideal conditions for a spontaneous psychic phenomena. The city dweller seeks artificial sensations to escape his boredom. The hermit does not seek them, but is plagued by them against his will. The unconscious man, driven by his natural impulses, because, imprisoned in his familiar world, he clings to the commonplace, to the obvious, the probable, the collectively valid, using for his motto, thinking is difficult, therefore let the herd pronounce the judgment. It is an enormous relief to him when something that looks complicated, unusual, puzzling, and problematic can be reduced to something ordinary and banal. Consciousness rests on the foundation of the instincts and their specific forms, the archetypes. This world in the background proves to be the opponent of consciousness, which, because of its mobility, learning capacity, is often in danger of losing its roots. That is why, since earliest times, men have felt compelled to perform rites for the purpose of securing the cooperation of the unconscious. He is constantly mindful of the gods, the spirits, of fate, and the magical qualities qualities of time and place. For these reasons, the sexual aspect of the UFOs merits our attention as it shows that a very powerful instinct like sexuality has its share in the structure of the phenomenon. Carl Jung now shares a third dream from a 42-year-old woman who at the time had heard nothing of flying saucers, saying that she was standing in a garden when suddenly the humming of an engine became audible overhead. A black metallic object appeared and circled over her. It was a huge flying spider made of metal with great dark eyes. It was round in shape and was a new and unique airplane. There issued a solemn voice, loud and distinct. It uttered a prayer that was intended as an admonition and a warning to everybody. Adjoining the garden was a large administrative building where international decisions were being taken. At the end of the dream, she felt somewhat embarrassed because she was not fully clothed. Everything in our experience is subject to the law of gravity, with one exception, the psyche, which as we experience it, is weightlessness itself. The psychic object and gravity are, to the best of our knowledge, incommensurable. They seem to be different in principle. The psyche represents the only opposite of gravity known to us. It is anti-gravity in its truest sense of the word. The psychic nature of the spider is shown by the fact that it contains a voice. Voices like visions are autonomous manifestations of the senses caused by the activity of the unconscious. We are therefore obliged to examine the symbol of the spider somewhat more closely. It is for many people an object of horror and superstitious belief. Spiders, like all animals that are not warm-blooded or have no cerebrospinal nervous system, function in dreams as symbols of a profoundly alien psychic world. Modern man still does not realize that he is entirely dependent on the cooperation of the unconscious, which can actually cut short the very next sentence he proposes to speak. He is unaware that he is continuously sustained by something, while all the time he regards himself exclusively as the doer. The unconscious depicts itself in dreams and visions as it always did, holding before us images which, unlike the fragmented functions of our consciousness, emphasize facts that relate to the unknown whole man, and only apparently to the function which interests us to the exclusion of all else. Man may admit that his dependence on unknown powers exists, 
matter what they are called, but he turns away from them as speedily as possible, as from a threatening obstacle. So long as everything appears to go well, this attitude may even be an advantage, but things do not always turn out for the best, particularly today, when despite euphoria and optimism, we feel a tremor running through the foundations of our world. The message which the UFO brings to the dreamer is a time problem that concerns us all. The signs appear in the heavens so that everyone shall see them. They bid each of us remember his own soul and his own wholeness, because this is the answer the West should give to the danger of mass-mindedness. Chapter 3 UFOs in Modern Painting Whilst I was collecting the material for this essay, I happened to come across the work of a painter who, profoundly disturbed by the way things are going in the world today, has given expression to the fundamental fear of our age, the catastrophic outbreak of destructive forces which everyone dreads. It is the beauty out of chaos. The painter in this case has summoned up the courage to admit the existence of a deep-rooted and universal fear and express it in his art, just as other artists have dared or were driven to choose as their motif the conscious and unconscious will for destruction and to depict the collapse of our civilization in chaos. Fear, however, is an admission of inferiority. It shrinks back from chaos and longs for solid, tangible reality for the continuity of what has been for meaning and purpose in a word for civilization. More or less conscious of its analogy with a UFO, the artist has painted a round, fiery object rotating in the heavens above the darkening city. In this picture, the UFO is replaced by the traditional eye of God gazing from heaven. These symbolical ideas are archetypal images that are not derived from recent UFO sightings, but always existed. From the very beginning, the UFO reports interested me as being very possibly symbolical rumors, and since 1947, I have collected all the books I could get a hold of on the subject. It must nevertheless be stressed that there is an unmistakable resemblance between the UFO phenomena and certain psychic conditions which should be not overlooked in evaluating the observations. Besides affording a possible psychological explanation, the comparison sheds light on the psychic compensation of the collective fear weighing on our hearts. It has the value and significance of a living symbol. What is the meaning of such a rumor at this time? What future developments are being prepared in the unconscious of modern man? What is the use of a compensation that, because of its symbolic form, is not understood by the conscious mind? We can take it as a general rule that the compensation is not immediately obvious and is therefore easily overlooked. The language of the unconscious does not have the intentional clarity of conscious language. It is a condensation of numerous data, many of them subliminal, whose connection with conscious contents is not known. The conscious mind challenges the unconscious to bring up the subliminal context, which, however, is written not in rational language, but in an archaic one with two or more meanings. And since the metaphors it uses reach far back into the history of the human mind, its interpreters will need historical knowledge in order to understand its meaning. This is true also of our paintings. Thus there arises the figure of a homo maximus, an anthropos and filius hominis of fiery nature, whose godlikeness or numinosity is proved by the fact that he immediately evokes similar figures in our minds, such as Enoch, 
Christ or Elijah or the visions of Daniel and Ezekiel, since Yahweh's fire chastises, kills, and consumes. The reflection of the UFO phenomenon in the artist's fantasy has produced a picture whose basic features belong to another dimension, to a world of gods that seems to have no connection with our reality. The artist's interpretation of the phenomenon is at an astronomical remove from the popular view that UFOs are controlled space machines. Since psychology touches man on the practical side, it cannot be satisfied with averages because these only give information about his general behavior. Instead, it has to turn its attention to the individual exceptions which are murdered by statistics. Since even the boldest fantasy of the creative artist, however much it may exceed the bounds of intelligibility, is always bounded by the limits of the psyche itself, there may easily appear in his pictures unknown forms which indicate certain limiting and predetermined factors. They are of a suprapersonal, collective, unconscious nature. This also seems to be the goal that modern art is indirectly aiming at. For all the appearance of extreme arbitrariness and boundless chaos, the loss of beauty and meaning is compensated by a strengthening of the unconscious. And since this is not chaotic but pertains to the natural order of things, it is to be expected that forms and patterns will arise which are indicative of this order. Chapter 4 Previous History of the UFO phenomenon. Though the UFOs were first publicized only towards the end of the Second World War, the phenomenon itself was known long before. It was observed in the first half of this century and was described in earlier centuries and perhaps even in antiquity. From a broadsheet written by Samuel Cosias, student of the Holy Scripture and of the Free Arts at Basel, in August 1566, he reports that on August 7th of that year, many large black globes were seen in the air moving before the sun with great speed and turning against each other as if fighting. Some of them became red and fiery and afterwards faded and went out. These were seen by numerous men and women, and amongst these globes, some blood-colored crosses were also seen. Naturally, this spectacle was interpreted as a divine warning. From the dream examples and the pictures, it is evident that the unconscious, in order to portray its contents, make use of certain fantasy elements which can be compared with the UFO phenomenon. The dreams, as well as the paintings, when subjected to careful scrutiny, yield a meaningful content which could be described as an epiphany. In the present instance, it seems to me sufficiently safe to conclude that in my examples, a central archetype consistently appears, which I have called the archetype of the self. It takes the traditional form of an epiphany from heaven. The masculine-feminine antithesis appears in the long and round objects, cigar form and circle. These may be sexual symbols. The Chinese symbol of the one being, Tao, consists of yang and yin. It fully corresponds to the Jewish symbol of the Star of David, which consists of the upright triangle, fire, and the downright triangle, water. The Christian equivalent can be found in the Church's doctrine of the unity of mother and son. The contrast between an enigmatic higher world and the ordinary human world is the most important polarity, which therefore can be taken as fundamental both to the dreams and to the pictures. The role that numbers play in mythology and in the unconscious gives food for thought. They are an aspect of the physically real as well as of the psychically imaginary. Numbers can be vehicles for psychic processes in the unconscious. 
Numbers can also characterize the personal nature of the mediating figure. They can appear as the mediator. From the psychological standpoint, and having regard to the limits set to all scientific knowledge, I have called the mediating or uniting symbol which necessarily proceeds from a sufficiently great tension of opposites, the self. There I would trespass upon all manner of religious convictions. Living in the West, I would have to say Christ instead of self. In the Near East, it would be Kadir. In the Far East, Atman or Tao or the Buddha. In the Far West, maybe a Hare or Mandaman. And in Kabbalism, it would be Tifereth. By self, we mean psychic wholeness. But what realities underlie this concept, we do not know. Because psychic contents cannot be observed in their unconscious state. And moreover, the psyche cannot know itself. The conscious can know the unconscious only so far as it has become conscious. There is something beyond the frontiers of knowledge as is shown by the archetypes and most clearly of all by numbers which this side of the border are quantities but on the other side are autonomous psychic entities capable of making qualitative statements which manifest themselves as patterns of order. This brings us a little nearer to understanding the mystery of psychophysical parallelism for we know now that a factor exists which mediates between the apparent incommensurability of body and psyche, giving matter a kind of a psychic faculty and the psyche a kind of materiality by means of which the one can work on the other. Chapter 5 UFOs Considered in a Non-Psychological Light as I said at the beginning, it was the purpose of this essay to treat the UFOs primarily as a psychological phenomenon. Unfortunately, however, there are good reasons why the UFOs cannot be disposed of in this simple manner. Here I must remark that even if the UFOs are physically real, the corresponding psychic projections are not actually caused, but are only occasioned by them. This particular projection, together with its psychological context, the rumors, is specific of our age and highly characteristic of it. The dominating idea of a mediator and God who become man after having thrust the old polytheistic beliefs into the background is now in its turn on the point of evaporating. So powerful an idea reflects a profound psychic need which does not simply disappear when the expression of it ceases to be valid. What happens to the energy that once kept the idea alive and dominant over the psyche? A political, social, philosophical, and religious conflict of unprecedented proportions has split the consciousness of our age. In the psyche, as in nature, a tension of opposites creates a potential which may express itself at any time in a manifestation of energy. The only thing we know with tolerable certainty about UFOs is that they possess a surface which can be seen by the eye and at the same time throws back a radar echo. The simultaneous visual and radar sightings would in themselves be a satisfactory proof of their reality. Unfortunately, well-authenticated reports show that there are also cases where the eye sees something that does not appear on the radar screen or where an object undoubtedly picked up by the radar is not seen by the eye. If these things are real and by all human standards it hardly seems possible to doubt this any longer then we are left with only two hypotheses that of the weightlessness on the one hand and of their psychic nature on the other. The psychological experience that is associated with the UFO consists in the vision 
of the rotundum, the symbol of wholeness and the archetype that expresses itself in mandala form. Mandalas, as we know, usually appear in situations of psychic confusion and perplexity. The possibility of a purely psychological explanation is illusory, for a large number of observations point to a natural phenomenon or even a physical one. The disc, however, that is, the objects themselves, do not behave in accordance with physical laws, but as though they were weightless, and they show signs of intelligent guidance, such as would suggest quasi-human pilots, yet the accelerations are so tremendous that no human being could survive them. All we know at present is that collective visions do exist. Any new experience has two aspects, the pure fact and the way one conceives it. Nothing helps rumors and panics more than ignorance. It is self-evident that the public ought to be told the truth, because ultimately it will nevertheless come to the light of day. But unfortunately, the press seems to enjoy lies more than the truth. What up, what up? Um, well, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, I hope you have more questions that will lead you to more answers. Peace.